This is the Authentic Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. All right, so welcome to another episode, Nick, of the Authentic Entrepreneurs, and we are doing some classic, classic music to start this one off. Right? Huh? Ooh, ooh, child. What does this song represent to you? Like, what movie did you hear this song in first that you're just like, every time you hear it, you think of it? Well, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Which so, you, you, what, what for you? Do you boy, have one? Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood? Really? This isn't this? <laughs> yeah. That's a long time ago. You're dating yourself. And I thought, like, you for sure would have one that was, like, way older than Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, no, but Guardians of the Galaxy kind of, like, brought it back into the... I wouldn't know. I don't. I All right, seen so that. that's enough of that. Oh, we're starting again. <laughs> Hold on. All right, there we go. Um, uh, no, I'm starting to I think. have to play the music, like, kind of, like, off a little bit, like, kind of, like, in the background, because then we can just play it without copyright issues. Is that true? Like after we're talking? Like yeah, we're if, talking? if we were to put this up on YouTube, which by the way, welcome to the Authentic Entrepreneurs. I'm Stu Saunders. I'm Nick Foley. And we are on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes, and we hope that you will um, subscribe and rate and enjoy our program that we do every single week of the year, and we will be here until we are no longer capable of being here. I guess that's really, we're committed to the long haul the process this, the process or the process what do you say process or process i'm gonna say i think i say the process right there you did but what do you normally say i'm trying to think now now i'm, now I'm thinking of it like thinking like i should say um so do the uh do the process i say process wow i say process lowe's out there listening right in what do you say process or process but we can't really tell if you say process or process because you just would be writing it spelled the same so well, don't yeah. don't write it in. don't write it in don't worry i say it. It, i say it p-r-o-c-e-s-s yeah you say it the wrong way but if you say write it in, I would like, how would you know? You wouldn't. That's why I suggested that you write it in, and then I took it back. I right. reneged it. All right. So um, thanks, Nick. Um, <laughs> speaking of process and process, um, we have a great guest today on the Authentic Entrepreneur. Yes, Ron Tight. Ron Tight, uh, who you will now see a mug of him uh, on, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Ron Tight is from um, an organization, an agency uh, from church called Church and State. He's also an author. This is his book, Everybody's an, Everyone's an Artist. This is a, he has a new book coming out uh, actually uh, this year, uh, but this is his current book that's out. He's also a world-renowned speaker, does about uh, 70, 75 keynotes um, a year, uh, and he speaks to some of the largest organizations um, like Best Buy and, and uh, major corporate like banks and, 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 and just huge organizations. They bring him in. Um, to really work with them and how they're sharing their brand on a, on a glo- national and global level. Um, and to Ron's credit, he is, uh, I think, uh, one of the most um, legit people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah, very, very kind, legit, generous, authentic, if you will. Giving of his time. Yep, absolutely. Like this morning um, on the interview, we, you know, we recorded the opening before, the interview because of the fact that Ron was in a tight, tight, tight bubble of time. He had to get down to do a, a program in the States and he was able to fit us in um, this morning. And I do want to apologize beforehand for some sound uh, issues. We must have had an uh, internet challenge a little bit. So it was a bit of a skipping, mm-hmm. but I don't Still think Still get it, the content. Yeah, I don't it's think it affected that. not going to affect the program. Yeah. So um, I guess without further ado. Please enjoy this episode. Yeah. And our wide ranging and interesting conversation. Um, with uh, with Ron Tight.
Hey, all right. We are so excited that you heard in the intro. We have <laughs> we have Ron Tight with us here on the Authentic Entrepreneurs. He's poking us right now on the screen behind. If you can see us, uh, if you're on YouTube, if you're not on YouTube, you should check it out on YouTube because Ron's an attractive man and he's talented uh, on the screen there. Um, Ron, we're pumped to have you, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Just, I, I, I feel I feel underdressed because I'm doing this from home. So apologies to viewers and listeners if you hear a, if you hear a yappy dog, that's my wife's dog, not my dog. <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm on route to an airport at some point, so uh, well, I'm, I'm doing it from home. And if we don't I'm hear a dance. if we <laughs> if we don't hear a dog, it's your well behaved your well behaved dog, right? Uh, no, this one is um, this one is not well behaved at all. All right. Well, listen. We want to. We know you're busy. You got uh, you're off on the road again today um, to do another amazing speech. So we want to. We don't want to take too much of your time, but we do want to thank you and get a bit of your background. And and, and you know, we we talk to entrepreneurs, um, and uh, you know, we've had such a great series of podcasts with amazing um, speakers and, and and experts in their field. And you are both. Um, you are both an amazing speaker. Um, and an expert in your field, and that's a that's an awesome combination because often you find speakers talk about stuff, but they don't actually do it. They just talk about it. You do it, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, and so I kind of want to go back to to how you all started. Now I recently watched you uh, in a video from back in your university college days um, as an aspiring host of a television program. Um, which, by the way, I don't know. I don't somehow it's got to get out there, but you look great in a pair of denim overalls. Um, and I'll just leave it there. Um, but how did you get from, uh, you know, from a Queens University? What did you want to do when you? What, what did you want to do when you were in university? What was the original Ron Tite story? Well, the original story was that uh, nobody in my family had been to university. I didn't know what that whole experience was like, and I just went because I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a phys ed teacher. I wanted to be a wrestling coach. And so that was like the path that someone said, oh, you got to do it this way. It was like, all right, I guess I'll do that. And so I did a phys ed degree. And then, uh, but once I landed there and I started interacting with all these people, it's like, oh, you can do anything, like really. And um, so then I just started thinking, like, I'm just going to pursue the stuff that I'm really interested in and everything else will sort itself out. And so I started to go down that road where I was the host of a, of a TV show called Studio Q, Krista uh, Teague and I, and, and, uh, you know, there, it was a, a place of, um, filled with talent. Many people have gone on to do some amazing things. And, um, um, you know, uh, I think when I looked at that, I always loved the idea of, of presenting in some way. I loved um, the notion of television and, and all that. And so I started pursuing that. So first was a sports reporter, and then I became host of the show. And then um, I got a job in like third year, the summer of third year, I guess, um, working in the business school at Queens University. And and I started balancing that out of like these business pursuits with this broadcasting. And when I started talking to people about broadcast and about sports specifically, they said, well, you know, like to make it, you're gonna have to go to, you know, you're gonna have to go to work in Peterborough for, for five years and then maybe you get you know promoted to red deer yeah. and then maybe maybe you know pickering 
And I thought, ah, I don't want to, you know, pursue this, put in the time, nothing against those places, but I just wanted to do more interesting things. And I, and I just thought, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be, I just pictured this like person still doing the same thing on TV, just reading the teleprompter. And so I started pursuing business. And then I, I just, I didn't um, know where that was going to go. And I had this amazing boss who was in the business school, this guy named Gordon Cassidy. And we had six managers of these executive development programs, and four of us were phys ed grads. And he said, here's what I love about phys ed uh, uh, students um, in the business space, is that one, you're pretty sociable because you've grown up in sports, so you're pretty sociable. Two, you're great team players, like you know how a team comes together. Three, you're competitive. and uh, and four, you, you know, you're, the people who at least who were in the Queens program was, were pretty bright. So only rocket science is rocket science. You can do whatever the hell you want. And you'll have a great career just by those soft skills that you've got from being, you know, a competitive wrestler and from, from, from being in phys ed. So then it, the world just completely opened up. So it's interesting you should say my wife will be happy to hear that uh, you're a phys ed background because she's a phys ed teacher. And uh, huh. so, so she'll be happy to know that phys ed teachers can be, uh, can be funny and brilliant as well. Um, she always says, I'm just a phys ed teacher, but hey, there you go. There's another whole side to it. Um, so yeah. you, you now, in your, in, your current, in your current job, you are now, is it the founder or the CEO of Church and State? I know you changed the name of the organization, but is it, you're the founder of it. And now are, are you currently the CEO? I'm founder and CEO. That's right. Right. So now you, you know what 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 is Church and State exactly? So Church and State, and the name really says it all. That in advertising, you know, there has been this uh, historical perspective that there was always a separation of church and state. That the worlds of content and editorial um, and news coverage and all that kind of stuff. And advertising were maintained, they maintained a wall between them, but they were held separately. So if you ever went to a newspaper and said, we'll run an ad if you write a story, say, that's the separation of church and state, and we can't do that. And so what we think is that those two worlds have been unified, that everything is, is, is uh, you know, anything can be uh, an ad, any piece of content can be an ad if, if it's good enough. I mean, it can be shared in the world, and um, or if it's you know responsible enough, and any ad can be a piece of content that's that's shared if it's good enough. So, you've got content that's now kind of crossing over and saying, well, we're pure content, but we can also be an ad. We can drive action and we can drive response as long as we're responsible about it. And we have ads going. Well, we don't want to compete against the traditional, you know, bite and smile ads. So we're going to do long form stuff. We're going to do some really compelling stuff. And hope that people just watch that for the the relevance and for the content value itself and so we kind of come at it from from both sides so we're an agency you know uh, we work with big multinational clients uh, like Walmart and like Microsoft and like um, Manulife and CAA and Johnson Insurance and AB World Foods and a whole bunch of people like that now you've got these big big brands uh, my, I know you want to ask a question Nick but you got these big brands and you're working with the Walmarts of the world um, but like when you started your agency, um, you obviously didn't have any clients. And, and I think to an entrepreneur starting out in their whatever 
career they're choosing to, whatever field they're working in, and they don't have a client. Like, who was that first client? How'd you get that first client? How'd, how'd they buy into you? How'd you, how'd you sell your ideas? Like, how did it start? Who was the first client you had? Smoke and mirrors, baby. Smoke and me. No, not at all. This is what's really interesting. So before this, um, I was executive creative director at a large multinational called Havas. And I was shooting a TV spot in Montevideo, Uruguay. And I looked back at the crew of people who were there, the 40 people who were working on this spot. And I turned to my producer. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah, we do all the time. So I turned to my producer and I said, how are we still doing this shit? How are we still doing this? How are we still flying halfway around the world to shoot the 30 seconds, most of which is gonna be a 15 second cut down for a medium that not as many people are watching. It was just crazy. And I went back and resigned when I got back to Toronto. And I knew that uh, that the world of advertising was changing and I knew, knew that TV, I had, as a guy who had written and you know created and directed more TV spots than I would probably care to admit to, um, and that that world was changing and that I wanted to force the change for myself. And the, the way to do that was for me was to quit and was to start something on my own where I could dictate instead of reporting in through New York or Paris. But here's the important part, that when I started it, I promised myself that I wouldn't work with anybody I had worked with before and that I wouldn't work with clients I had worked with before because all those clients knew me as the quote unquote TV guy. And so I thought, if I'm going to change this, I'm going to go with a whole, whole new client, a whole new client base. And that's literally starting from zero. I rented a desk off a friend. I started and I wrote the line around that whole content piece. Uh, brands have to be media properties and media properties have to be brands. So I didn't pursue an agency in the beginning. It was I pursued an idea that I want to solve or like I don't know whether that's as a consulting company or as a production company or as an agency or what I have no idea and I'm just gonna pursue that idea and try to figure that out and so I started working on the strategy of like well, what would the strategy be let's pick a client you know and I just started working it out and a, a couple of things happened one um, an old client of mine um, who was an old client from Dell who I hadn't worked with in probably 12 15 years uh, but had maintained a relationship with reached out and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm kind of doing this kind of stuff. Um, and she said, who are you working with? And I said, I, have, I don't have any clients yet. And she said, I'll give you a project. And the fact that she stepped forward and said, I'll give you a, a client, Laura Pierce, this is you, I think says a lot about the, 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 what a wonderful person she is and what a support, supportive person she is, but that the importance of building relationships and doing right by people throughout your entire career that you know the 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 people who i worked with 15 20 years ago are the really supportive people because of how i treated them back then and so i started doing that and and um and laura was lovely to give me that first project and then um and then our first retainer client was ab world foods who is still a client today they're wonderful people and the reason we got AV World Foods is because, again, another old client, um, they had reached out to another old client of mine and said, who should we look at for an agency? And he said, I'm not exactly sure what Ron Tite is doing, but you can trust him. He's a good guy, and, and he'll, he'll, he'll do some good work for you. And we got the business, and that's when the agency took off. 
That's fantastic. So what do you think, as far as like young entrepreneurs looking to get, um, you know, their brand out there, what would you say, I guess, like, what are the three, maybe one or two or three tips that you would have for like, you know, small business owners that are starting out? And I find that like, you know, getting your brand out to the world, if there's like, a, there's a fine line between your personal brand and your, your brand for your business, or maybe it's one and the same. Is there anything that you're seeing or that you, through your experience, you can say, okay, so here's some, here's some tips that young entrepreneurs should follow to it's, get their brand to where they need to be. It's even tips, Ron, or mistakes. Or like mistakes, one yeah. One or the other. Like, what are, they, what are young entrepreneurs doing that are good or bad or should be doing or shouldn't be doing? There's two things with it um, that, uh, and I'll get into a, a more philosophical discussion and approach, I think, because um, I think we're going to talk about what's going to happen at, at Epic and, and what I'm going to talk about there. So those yeah. two kind of dovetail nicely. But I will say this, that a lot of people um, look at the marketing of the brand first and the business model second. And that's just wrong. I mean, when I started the agency, it wasn't called Church and State. It was called the Tight Group. And it was called the Tight Group because I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to be. And I didn't really care. And I thought that um, the business model wasn't going to be dependent on the name. And so I took seconds and said, it's called the tight group. That's it. Let's go. Now let's build the business model and let's, let's get this going. And then when the business model emerged and we were, what we were really good at emerged, then we said, all right, now the name is going to match the strength of the organization. Far too many people do the opposite where they go, I can't do anything until I get my website up. I need a great logo and I need like, what? Build your business, build your idea, figure out what problem you're solving. That other stuff will come naturally once you figure that out. But you're putting carpet for the horse. At the same time, and not to contradict myself, um, but in the in the thought leader space, I think this it's the early one. That is that there are a bunch of thought leaders who are filled with that. There are people who who label themselves as thought leaders. There are people who have. 400 million followers on LinkedIn and on Twitter, and you have no business model. They don't make any money. Like, I don't, like, I don't yeah. care what, how many followers you have, and I don't care what content you're generating. If that doesn't contribute to a business model where you actually make money, and it's not to be all Kevin O'Leary about this. Um, there, of course, we want to pursue our passions, and we want to do the things that interest us, and it's not about how much money we have. But man, I hope that there's a business model that if you're really passionate about this stuff and to the passion to the point that you're cranking out content every single day, that you're producing enough revenue that you can live on that, that you can feed a family and everything. So, you know, do not forget that there's a business model at the heart of all this. So, and then again, not to contradict myself, but once you have that, you know, people like me have said that your brand is not about your logo, it's about your actions, which is 100% true. But you still need a logo eventually. Once you've figured that out and you figure out the core personality of your organization or of your personal brand, then you need personal brand design. You need an external voice that talks and represents that brand and the tone and the personality and everything else that, that has to be completely consistent so that your outside voice matches your inside voice. And again, far too many people, they go, oh, he just needs I need a slick logo. And then they go to somebody and go, give me something cool. And it's not strategically sound in any way. It doesn't actually represent the personality of the person. They're trying to be something that they're not. I get this all the time. And it, it, 
and uh, you know, Stu uh, and Nick, we, we, you may have seen this uh, over the past little while in some of our groups that we belong with, that belong to, people go, here are five logos, tell me which one you like. <laughs> and I said, I said to this person, well, what's the strategy? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, is what's the tone? What's the personality? I mean, you're asking me to just randomly pick this visual, you know, thing. I, I need, what does this represent? You need the background. And um, so you need personal brand design and you need, uh, but you need that to be consistent with the strategy and the core personality of the brand. Um, you know, in 2019, um, one of the most the loudest voices in, in, in marketing or in building things is Gary V, right? Gary Vaynerchuk. And, and he's constantly talking about um, this is the best time in the world to start a business, the best time in the world to, to be a creator of new things because the internet is so open and it's so free and it's so everything. And then the value is so low, the value is so high versus a low price. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, what we've seen is uh, being entrepreneurs and, and, and in this in this field, like I've been an entrepreneur for 30 years, is you know back in the day, it's true entrepreneurship was really a, a almost like a weird thing to say you were doing. It was like a, you almost were a failure to be, to be an entrepreneur. You couldn't you couldn't go to college or didn't get a degree, so you were you were an entrepreneur. And and now it's the cool thing to do. And I'm and, and Gary always says that the big difference is now that there's this big massive the WalMarts of the world that are still traditionally advertising on television and radio and print. And the entrepreneurs of the world, the youngins, are all social media online. And one day that's going to switch where the, the, you know, the Budweiser's and the Walmart's are going to go, oh my gosh, here's all this great territory. We're going to take it. And then the rest of us are screwed. So where do you think that is in the world of marketing right now and brand, and brand awareness and creating that new company or building your current company up? Like, is that going to change? Do you see a change happening where it's the big brands are like, Instagram is everything instead of just throwing up bits and pieces of their other ads they've already got done. Yeah, I mean, it's already changing. You know, digital advertising now out, uh, spends, uh, clients out, spend more money in digital than they do in tr traditional right now. Um, and I think um, there's more money being spent in search. You know, like uh, some B2B clients, it's crazy the amount of money that is spent in search. And don't count out Amazon. Um, when as Amazon really dials up their service, they're going to eat Google's lunch in a lot of ways. Um, because why would I search through the vast internet um, if I'm looking for a product? Why would I search through everything when I can just go to a store and search that there? So uh, and and be prompted through advertising. Um, but you know, I think it's it's really difficult, and I hate comparing the two. And you know, I, I love Gary. I've done gigs with Gary, uh, um, but it's not an either or. You know, I mean, everybody, when Dollar Shave Club came out and Harry's came out and everybody said, well, Gillette just, Gillette is going to lose because they can't, you know, they're not going to sell, um, uh, you know, direct to consumer, buck a blade delivered straight to your door. And that is the problem of legacy organizations, that if you're Gillette, you can't just flip a switch on that. I mean, you've got relationships with retailers. You still have, you know, a ton of people who are buying product in retail. So you have to make maintain that channel and you got to maintain the sales people that are dedicated to that channel and those relationships and, and sponsoring those programs. Um, and you can't just take this whole new operational model because you, you also have shareholder responsibility and a lot of startups when they, if they're get their, if they're in their series A, series B, they're not even profitable. So a lot of 
legacy organizations don't have the value of saying like, okay, we're going to take three steps back and we're just going to lose money for the next four years and build our business based on our quote unquote business model. You know, they're in a completely different zone. So they will like a, you know, a light bulb that, you know, um, a dimmer, you know, they'll just dial one up and slowly dial one down and, and they'll continue to fix that dial um, to, to the place that, that, delivers their their value that delivers the the response that they need and those that figure what where the number goes will succeed and those that won't won't and i think there's a, you know a lot of startups who are going like oh we're building you know our business based on facebook ads and that's it and then facebook changes their algorithm and they're like we're done now yeah. so um to isolate a startup today um, is unfair to the legacy organizations who've been around a long time. Where they're gonna go? I don't know. I mean, there's gonna be we're gonna increase the niche um, channels that are available to people, and so uh, uh, channel spend is gonna decrease over time because we're gonna have more channels to speak to people in, and um, I think mass advertising will decrease, but um, Super Bowl charged more this year than they ever have. There's still going to be big ticket items where people sit down and watch stuff. Yeah. Um, it's really just going to be about prioritizing our spend, not shifting our spend in one direction or, or another. Right. And speaking of prioritizing, where would you suggest like young entrepreneurs spend their time when it comes to branding? Sorry, could you repeat that? Where would you th where would you suggest like newer entrepreneurs spend their time when it comes to like when it comes to branding? Like where like if you're you're new and, and where would you suggest that they would not a lot of money, not a lot of capital, you know, not legacy brands. Where would you spend most of your time when it comes to you know getting your your brand out there? Startuping. Yeah, you know, I just spoke to somebody yesterday who's launching a jewelry line, and um, I it's such a great way to do it. I know she's not not the first, but um, that. It, where um, she doesn't have to buy inventory. This is you know low cost of production, massive distribution, right? That w it's never been cheaper to produce stuff, whether that's content or products or, or, or car parts or whatever. Whether it's 3D printing or whether it's offshore manufacturing or whatever, never been cheaper to produce stuff. And that also goes for content. It's, I mean, we're you know we're basically shooting a TV show and we don't have a satellite truck in the background. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, never been cheaper to produce stuff and never been cheaper to distribute stuff globally instantaneously so as an entrepreneur you can focus on um on one specific niche audience and like this um emily nolan who's launching this jewelry line you know the jewelry doesn't get bought by her until it's ordered by somebody so there is no massive investment that's required and slowly over time you know she's going to build that customer base one customer at a time and she's going to speak to those customers one customer at a time in the areas and and, and social channels of media channels that they are and she's going to find out more about those people and she's going to um, get some interesting insights about people from different regions and slowly but surely you know she's going to build that business um, I think the days of uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs for most people listening that you're not going to get five million to plop down and, and build your model um, you're just not and so grow it one at a time and be really smart and responsible about it. Um, you know, you're right, uh, Ron. In 1999, um, <clears throat> I started a website, uh, op4.com, and uh, we raised $5 million in capital in about four months. And um, we actually, our website cost $1.2 million to build. 
our website. Imagine that. And it's a website that had probably less functionality than a Wix website you can get for free in 2019. <laughs> so that was, and the company that built it called Blast Radius, which was one of the largest uh, web design firms in the world at the time, I don't think they exist or there's a fraction of what they used to be. So the times are so much better, I think, for that, for an entrepreneur in terms of being able to access that technology and do more with it. Yeah. Um, so, so go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, no, Blast Radius. Radius was a great shop, and I think they've been acquired. But I don't remember. I can't keep uh, holding companies and who they own. But Blast Radius was acquired. Yeah, we. Uh, but I think they're still. They were amazing. We actually launched our website with the Prime Minister of Canada. It's a story I'll tell you one day. It was uh, just a just a ride, just a crazy John ride. What's that? John Diefenbaker. John <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was or Borden. Um, <laughs> so I want to wrap this up because I know you got to go. Um, a couple of quick questions for you sure. you know you're still running the agency you're still hands-on with that every day right so could you repeat that sorry you're still running your agency and you're still hands-on with that every day well I have uh, very specific responsibilities and what I did very early on because I'm you know a former executive creative director I'm not a guy that's gonna be watching cash flow that's not my strength uh, and I'm not a guy that's great in status meetings and the, the details that the clients deserve, you know. And um, so I gave up equity in my business. This is an interesting entrepreneurial lesson, I think, because everybody says, oh, you never give up equity as an entrepreneur. You never give up equity. I was like, nope, I'm giving up equity. And the, the thinking there is that I would rather own, you know, 25% of, of 6X than 100% of X. Yeah. I really would. And so I knew that to really grow the organization, that where my strength was, what I could do really, really well, was speak and write and drive the overall thinking for the organization and, and duplicate the entrepreneurial process that launched the agency to launch other divisions and other services and whatnot. That's where my strength was. But once a client came in the door, being committed and disciplined to that client every single day was not something that I'm very good at. So um, uh, Robin Whaling came in as our president, Daniel Langer Hack came in as, as our uh, uh, head of strategy, and Lionel Long came in as our creative director. So on a day-to-day -day basis, they're the ones driving, they're brilliant and they're fantastically talented, and so they're driving the business. And, and, and my role is I'm out speaking, I do about 70 keynotes a year, um, writing and pushing the overall thinking of the organization, and, and I do the, what we call concept cars. So like um, we've signed a deal with Entertainment One to do a podcast called The Coup. We published a book for CBC. We're launching a division called Unison on personal brand design. All these things that I'm taking care of so that our, the people who are focused on our existing clients are completely focused on existing clients. They're not out trying to win new business and being distracted and all that. Nope. They're kicking ass. They're doing a wonderful job for our clients because they're completely focused on that. Right. Um, Talk about Yeah. Um, you're coming in April to uh, to Vancouver um, to Epic. And uh, first yeah. off. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. The people are going to really, I think they're going to benefit dramatically from the people we have there. The faculty is amazing. Um, and I just kind of wanted to ask you, what is it you're going to share with like with our our members of our community in Epic. What are you gonna? What do you want to? What are you gonna bring to that that room that day? So I'm gonna bring 
uh, I'm going to bring some humor. You know, it's going to be fun. Because uh, I spent 20 years as a stand-up comedian, so humor is uh, always integrated into keynotes. But the, the main part is that I think one of the biggest problems with organization is that um, – that in order for an organization to really gather momentum, and I just use momentum loosely, that it just however you're defining success, whether it's through some you know vanity metric or or, or bottom, your bottom line, whatever it is, just to get momentum to keep going, that we really need um, uh, uh, what the uh, people within an organization and the organization we need them to think, do, and say the same thing because great brands, great organizations, and and great leaders are based on what they think, what they do, and what they say. And we need this you know, really tight alignment between people and the organization. And what organizations typically do is they try and inspire their, their uh, frontline employees um, by, you know, the CEO gets up and goes, let me remind you of our, our mission statement. And they read some bullshit copywritten you know, jargon-filled, let's check all the boxes statement. That doesn't mean anything to anybody. It really doesn't. They don't know the difference between mission and vision. They don't care. And these are the people who are going to deliver your brand experience. And if it's you as a person, the perception of who you are and what you do has to match the reality and that people get. And that is only based on what you think, what you do, and what you say. And it's all three of those things combined. So the thinking is around purpose and is around strategy. And that is elevating that conversation to something that people actually care about. The do is the actions. Like, what do you do to reinforce those, those beliefs and, and that corporate purpose? And you come up with those actions based on who you do it for, what they want you to do, and who you do it with. And if you you believe in something that's greater, that's more important than your product, and you behave in a way that reinforces that belief, that's worth talking about. Yeah. And yeah. if it's worth talking about, then man, you should talk about it in a way that's really consistent and that's conscious and that helps you win the battle for time. Here's the, the reality that we're all dealing with. That every single consumer, every single prospect, every single person on your team in dealing with colleagues, they don't know where to look and they don't know who to trust. So your goal as a leader and your goal as an organization is one, to get them to look at you, and B, get them to listen to you. That's what I'm going to talk about. And, and, that, and those, those things are relevant if your business is small or large. 100%. Yeah. Last question for you, Nick. Well, I mean, that's, those are the, that's great. It's so, so much insight that you're, <laughs> that you're bringing in. I'm just trying to, to be, uh, you know, take it all in as a, as a sponge. Um, I don't really have any more. Yeah, Ronnie, Ron, he's literally he's taken, he's, he's, he's taken three pages of notes I, here while we're that's talking. That's the thing. Like, I, just, I have so much to ask you at Epic. I'm going to be conscious of your time. I think we'll wrap it up because I have so much that I want to ask you when I see you in the room in April. But, I mean, the, the notes that I've taken here, I've, I haven't taken many, these many notes in, in a long time. So thank you for your time. Yeah. And i got to tell you, a compliment to you too, Ron, um, is, uh, you know, you're obviously, you're, you're great at marketing and branding and, and the big picture. Uh, but a buddy of mine who's an executive at an organization that you spoke at uh, last year uh, told me, and he was he regret he hates going to these corporate things. He hates the speakers coming in and doing all the, you know, the chicken soup for the soul stories and the five step programs. And he said that he said I met your buddy Ron Tight because I, I spoken about you and and I, I think he spoke to you afterwards. I'm not sure, but he came to me. He said out of his way to say you were literally 
the most enjoyable, most beneficial speaker he's ever, ever seen in 20 years of being an executive. So um, that's a compliment to you. So I'm just writing that down. That is a testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> so that was... Yeah. That was best looking. That was best looking. Best looking, best looking yeah. most yes. attractive, most fit, um, most agile. Anyway. Um, very confused, dude. Thank you for sharing that. that and I say that because, hey, I, wa I wanted you to, I wanted you to know that, Ron. I said that because I want you to know that. And also, I, I, people who are coming to Epic, I want to know like the value that you're going to bring to the room is going to be epic. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be epic. So, um, I, I can't define the format that you've created for Epic. I think is wonderful. Um, and, uh, and I can't, I can't wait to be there. And if you're watching or listening to this and you haven't got your ticket yet, uh, I'm not on a commission plan at all, no. but, um, but maybe I should be, we'll see, we'll see what the response is like, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you really should get, uh, you should really hook up for this. Uh, also Vancouver is just beautiful and amazing. It is. So Va I hope to see everybody there and I, I can't wait for it. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Ron, um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing this and, um, We'll uh, we'll we'll connect soon again. Good luck on the next uh, until we see you in a couple months. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, have fun. I can't believe we got through this without the dog barking. This is incredible. <laughs> I feel like I need to like go and kick her or something to just get a, get a response. You think I was lying? <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. All right. So uh, welcome back. That was uh, holy smokes. Uh, you know, and even even though we did have some 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 uh, buffering issues, I guess it was with it. I I wanted that to go on. Well, I mean, I I, I said in the right in the in the interview that I've took seen like pages of notes. He's yeah, such speaking, a smart speaking guy. It's hard, eh? <laughs> it's hard, especially when you have a podcast. We've got not only we have to speak, but we also have to say our words. And words are hard. <laughs> words are hard. Um, I meant to say, I meant to say that I felt like I took like pages of notes, but I'm looking at this and it's just like, you know, jotted just, down yeah, information. Just, there's so much stuff. And I think that Ron is, um, and I mentioned this in the podcast uh, in, during the interview, that a buddy of mine who was, who was a, a, an executive at a large organization saw Ron speak and said it was the, he was the best speaker he'd ever seen. Yeah. With the best content and humor and he was engaging. And, and I think that's that came through yeah um and it was like you know we were all over the place just trying to get as much as we could in that 40 minutes that we had with them um but we could have easily have done a week with yeah him. what was yeah oh my gosh a week we could do uh, uh, 10 10 podcasts yeah, no um, with him and i think that's what oh, actually i want i want to ask you first what was the what was the the one great takeaway or the the the, the nugget that stuck with you with the Ron Tight interview today. Well, it was actually near the end when, uh, I mean, all of it, I could have, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to say in the wrap up, wrap up. But then it was near the end, he said, does the perception of your business match the reality of your business? And I thought that was such a, like a, you know, it was just such an on point statement when he talks to CEOs and things like that. He asked that he's like, they all have that big mission and vision. And he goes, and half the people working for the company have no idea the difference between the two. And he, yeah. and he even, he just went out and said, he's like, does the perception of your business match the reality? So what you think your business is, does this society or does your customers think it's what you think your business is? And yeah. And he talked about the, uh, the, the mission statements. That's like, right. Like, yeah. They throw it up and think, this yeah, is what this, we this, do. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just thought that was such a profound statement. Does yeah. the perception meet the reality? And yeah. that's, that's one thing that I learned. And, and you know what? It's funny. It makes you kind of reflect on your own business. And like, does what I, what my perception of my businesses meet the reality of what our clients yeah. um, think of us, right? And I think it might be a future podcast. I think there's so much we can do for this. I think it might be a future podcast, really, to kind of think about. Yeah, I think know? one of the things I liked about when he talked about starting his agency as the tight agency and then moving to church and state, and he talked about entrepreneurs often think about 
creating that uh, that logo first, yeah. and then they're like shiny the shiny box, yeah, exactly. but they don't know what's what's inside of the box yeah. as much. It's not as important. And I I'm I have been guilty of that in my where I get like an idea, and then the joke is, and if Ashbear who works in her office, our director of our summer camp programs, if she's listening to this, we'll know, and she's probably laughing to herself, but I will, uh, and other people do it too, but I'll say, this is my idea, and I'll throw it out, and then Ash will joke like, it means another logo. <laughs> so we add a logo to our yeah. to our wide-ranging numbers of program logos, but I really enjoyed that. That was Ron was, yeah. uh, he's a genuine, kind person who is just full of wisdom. Yeah, absolutely, I learned so much. And he's coming, to, he's coming to Epic. Yes, in April. In yeah. Vancouver, April 24th to 27th. 24th, 27th, two yeah. months away If when, when we're recording this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if, you, if you're if you not in in uh, yet, I mean, people pay a lot of money to have Ron consult them on oh, their for brand. Sure, yeah. yeah. And you can come and have a one-on-one, more or less, a one-on-one yeah. with Ron. Yeah. Well, just, just listening Scott, to it. Yeah. And Scott mm-hmm. and Neen and... Denise yeah. and Kate and Hamzen. I mean, you know, this and, goes on and, and on. the list goes on and on. Like, I mean, I, every time I, I get fired up about that th- that four days. Well, it's interesting. We've interviewed almost everybody that's going to be on the program. All the there's faculty. a few. Yeah, there's a few few more that are yep. coming. And I have a list of questions after the interview that I go home and I write down a list of questions that I have for, you know, what I'm going to say to Denise, what I'm going to ask Kate, what I'm going to ask Phil, what I'm going to ask, you know, Dr. Wells and, and, you know, and Scott's coming and all these different people that are coming on the show that we're going to have an epic because the program that you created in like Ron even alluded to it in this, in this episode was, you know, it's really great. You have the keynote question and answer, but we're going to hang around after, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you have that one-to-one and I have, you know, there's three or four questions that I want to ask Ron just specifically. And if I can sit down and, and have an his intimate ear. group yeah. of people, you're exactly. not in a group of 300 people. No, exactly. It's less than 100 people in that room. Everybody, yeah. like speakers, yeah. participants, it's going to be. Well, epic. It's going to be epic. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of epic, um, you know, I just want to remind everybody that you really, really, if you have a chance to um, subscribe, follow, and rate on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for following along on our journey. Uh, we hope you enjoy the authentic entrepreneurs. We have a uh, we have an Instagram and a Facebook. You can figure it out. Search us. You'll figure it, you'll find it. Um, and uh, always feel free to send us questions um, or comments just to our um, to us um, at the authentic entrepreneurs across all social medias. Yeah. yeah. You can just DM us. DM us. Yeah. Kids say that. Just DM us, man. I'm gonna look what that up. What that means? Direct message. Oh, yeah. Message. Okay. All right. Well, until we talk again, uh, you know, be kind to each other. That's why I want to add that. I want to be kind to each other and keep being authentic. We did it. Nailed it. That was great. (laughs) 